You know, uh, we've been in this section in my notes on the failure of the hoper for a while. I, I don't think it really dawned on me until the last three years at what people believe. And we have to go back to the basics, I think, and discipline ourselves to focus on what God has said. There's an illustration coming up Sunday. I'll borrow from that. But you've heard me tell this story repeatedly that when we started construction on the first building up at I-30, that was August of 1987. Two months later, the stock market crashed. That didn't affect any of our people. Nobody had anything. But it threw the country into a recession, and that one was kind of nasty. And... Uh, so we moved into that building, and we were just running short. Well, over the process of time, I got serious about Philippians 4.13. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so I just started saying, all of our needs are met. And, you know, every time that would come out of my mouth, the devil would be saying, you're lying. And people maybe that knew one or two things about where we were as a church, you know, they, they'd come up and say, Pastor, that's not true. And what I came up with is this. How can I lie saying what God has said? Amen. But my point is that is such a simple illustration from many years ago. But who, who, who are you going to believe? And I'll tell you what, the last three years have proven I don't know literally that we can believe anyone but God. Amen. Literally. I don't know that we can believe anyone but God. Amen. Because the goalposts are moving all the time. And uh, so let's start off in Hebrews 11.1 1, of all things. You know, I, I, I was, uh, I've been, you know, rehearsing this thing that next month I will have been preaching the gospel 50 years and Seems like such a long time, but I saw that Pastor John Hagee this month is celebrating 68 years in the pulpit. Wow. Wow. So, you know, it makes me feel like a youngster. <laughs> That's a long time. Amen. Amen. But I, thank God I'm still learning. Amen. Because he showed me this, this just this morning. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. You see, I can hope the Rangers win this year. And I can hope the Cowboys win this year. And I can hope that I will live to go in the rapture. But I have no evidence for any of that. That's hope. Can you see that? And that's where the vast majority of people live with regard to how their children turn out. <laughs> You know, this is not Bible, but it's good. Tell your neighbor, hope is, not a plan. hope is not a plan. But that's where most people live with regard to how their children turn out. And that's where most people live on their finances. And that's where most people live on their health. Well, they're, they're, they're hoping. They're a hoping. Well, I'm just a hoping and a praying. They're hoping. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. How in the world can we be sure of what we hope for and certain, certain, certain 
What if we had, what if we had as much faith in what God has said about money as we do in heaven? Nobody here's ever gotten a postcard from heaven. Nobody here's ever gotten a, you know, like I, one thing I hate about being my age is we get all these advertisements at the house about senior living centers and all this stuff. You know, I hate it. I hate it. But but nobody nobody ever sent you a, like a video tour of the city of God. <laughs> but there's nobody here tonight who disbelieves in heaven. What if we had that much faith in what the, what the Word of God says about money? What if we had that much faith in what the Word of God says about health? I mean, think about it. You, you banked your whole life on the belief in heaven. And actually, <laughs> you know, we ought to have more faith in hell because the Bible talks three times as much about hell as it does about heaven. But hardly anybody out here, I mean, at Faith Christian Center, people probably believe in hell, but you go visit other churches, they, they believe in heaven, but they don't believe in hell. And yet the Bible talks three times as much about hell as it does heaven. We know, actually, we know very little about heaven, but we all have faith. Why is that? Well, we took God at his word on that. You know, I, I made Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Heaven is my home. We, we have our faith in that. Well, what if we had that much faith in what the Word of God says about money? What if we had that much faith in what the Word of God says? About, and, 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 <laughs> I don't always mean to come home. This is like home plate to me. I always come back to it. How in the world does the vast majority of Christianity have this much hope in heaven, but they can't bring themselves to obey God on money? It just blows my mind. I mean, which is, which is harder to believe? That he can replace 10% of my income or that he can raise my dead, stinking, decaying, worm-infested body from the grave? So it's odd what we believe. And it's odd what we don't believe. And I, I, where I'm headed with this is I think it has to do with focus I think it has to do with meditation. I think it has to do with confession. I think it has to do with what we choose to meditate on from the Word of God. We knew a man years ago, famous man, and he could believe God for money like nobody's business. Unbelievable. But had no faith for healing. So we decide. In other words, the Bible is like an encyclopedia of promises. And we decide what we focus on, and we decide what we rehearse, and we decide what we meditate on. The Bible calls God's word God's medicine. And, uh, you know, at the house, we're having a discussion because we ran out of one thing, a, a, a vitamin, and if you don't take that with this other vitamin, this other vitamin requires the second vitamin to metabolize. And if you take the first vitamin without taking the second vitamin, your, your body actually depletes itself of the second. And so we run out of this second. Why, why don't we do the Word of God like that? Well, I, I can't just focus on money. I got to meditate on these healing scriptures. 
I can't just focus on these healing scriptures. I got to meditate on what the word of God says about the money. You see what I'm saying? In other words, we, we, we get concerned. We run out of butter. That's a big deal. In my house, we always have unsalted butter. Who in the world uses that? I guess you do baking. But, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I'm taxing Sue. Salted butter, salted butter, salted butter. <laughs> My point is, we, we, we focus on natural things to not run short. But what if we did that with spiritual things? You know, I can't, I, <laughs> I haven't meditated enough on money, so I got to meditate on money. I haven't meditated enough on on uh, health and healing, so I need to meditate on that because if I don't, I could run into a shortage and I don't want a shortage. Thank God for the Holy Spirit of God. I'm out there, this was yesterday, and so I'm rehearsing Matthew 8, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24, and, he, and the Spirit of God says, you know, you let off of Psalm 107, 20. So I, I, I threw that in. The Lord my God sent his word and healed me and delivered me from all of my destructions. And he said to me, he said, don't you see it? That's Old Testament. He said, David was prophesying what Jesus would do that we lay a hold of in Matthew 8, 17 and 1 Peter 2, 24. He sent his word. John 1, 1 says that Jesus is the, is the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He sent His Word and healed us and delivered us of our destructions. Amen. But my point is, we let off of stuff. We let off of this, and we let off of that. We're, we meditate on something for a while until we get a need met, then we lay off it. And the Word is what we have. Now, faith is being sure. How can we be sure? Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Certain of what we do not see. So how can I convert my hope into faith? How can I convert my hope into faith? Well, I have to have evidence. See, does it, I, I can hope the Rangers win. There's no evidence for that. I can hope the Cowboys win. There's no evidence for that. I can hope that I, I live to go in the rapture. I don't have any evidence for that. So the only way to convert hope to faith is I've got to go to the Word of God and find evidence to attach my faith to. See, my evidence is the Word of God. My evidence is what God has said. And I don't want to go back to Romans 4. We may get there a little bit Sunday, but... That's what Abraham did. He, he, believed, he believed God just as it had been said to him. And he called those things which are not as though they were because that's who we serve. See, that's what happened all those years ago when I would stand up to receive offerings and I would say, uh, all of our needs are met. I was calling those things which are not as though they were. And, and there's a problem. There's a, like a scratching in our mind when we do this. All of our needs are met. And then later, I went to the next level and I said, we're being made rich in every way so we can be generous on every occasion. And, and it's, it's like we have a problem with this because, 
you know, there's something inside of us. It's, it's, it's not the spirit of God. It's our mind, I guess, that says, well, you're lying. You know you're lying. But see, these principles are important because the exact same principles are the principles we have to learn to operate by with our health. When you have somebody examine you, you're not calling those things which be not as though they were. You're calling those things which are as though they were. When you talk to somebody about your symptoms, you talk to somebody about your problems, you talk to somebody about your troubles. It's a real discipline. Tell your neighbor, it's a discipline. <laughs> to call those things which be not as though they were. Now, don't get this confused with Christian science because Christian science is calling those things which are as though they weren't. We knew a girl in high school. She was Christian science, you know, and so one day in class, I mean, I'm just a, you know, full gospel kid. What do I know? But she, you know, she's sick. Obviously she's sick. She's got all this goo coming out of her nose. Her nose is red and all this. And so me being who I am, I said, so you don't believe you're sick? No, I'm not sick. See, she, she was calling those things which are as though they weren't. That's not what we're talking about. God, we serve the God who calls those things which be not as though they were. And it's a real discipline. <laughs> it's a real discipline. Now, you do this a while, the blessings stack up. Then it gets easy. But I remember what it was like. You, you may not believe this, but I remember, I remember sitting and deciding who got paid and who didn't. We were never late on payroll, but I'm talking about vendors, people, stuff. I know it's hard to believe, but I've been there. And I'll tell you what, I didn't like it. Amen. Amen. Now, I like, I like being in a place where I don't owe anybody anything. Now, I may not stay there. I may, I'm going to probably do one more thing, but, you know, I like it. I like it. I like it. But I confessed my way here is my point. If I confess my way here, I can confess my way to other destinations. We do this all the time. You don't think about it. We do this all the time. You don't think about it. You go online and uh, you want to go, let's say you want to go to Palm Springs. You go online and, uh, you know, click, click, click. And then you tell somebody, I'll be there. I'll be there Saturday. I'll be there Saturday at three o'clock. You have no idea. You have no idea. They have re reservations for the ladies' retreats. They've already got like 10 emails. They changed the times, you know. It, oh, it was 3.02, now it's 2.55. Oh, now it's, now it's uh, you know, 2.53. Oh, now, now it's 1.02. We do this all the time. We, we tell people, I know I owe you $100, but I'm getting paid Friday. I'll, I have the money Friday. You don't know, companies go bankrupt all the time. I mean, just overnight tonight, there's probably one or two that'll go bankrupt. But when it comes to God, when it comes to the things of God, the ancient of days, in whom there is no shadow of turning, we somehow have moral compunction about saying what God says. And you know who gives you the biggest raspberries about it is Christians. The world doesn't care what you say. They're crazy anyway. They, I mean, how could you be crazier than the world? But Christians, God's people, will fall out with you. 
So faith is being sure of what we hope for. How can we be sure in 2020, should have, in 2020, 2021, 2022 should have proved, proven to all of us, you can only be sure of one thing, and that is what God has said. That's the only thing we can be sure of, is what has God said. Now, when you don't take this path, <laughs> when you don't take this path, and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it leaves you in a realm where you seek experiences. And the problem with seeking experiences is that that automatically puts you in the realm of the flesh. I mean, how do we experience things? We experience things in the flesh. See, this world says, I know it's true because I've experienced it, or more often they say, well, that's not been my experience, as if that's the standard for anything. For this present generation, it isn't a matter of whether or not the word has declared it or not, because what matters to this generation is their experience. Faith in our experiences is not the same as faith in the word of God. Faith in what I have seen or heard is not the same as faith in the word of God. So here's the problem with religious experiences. Nearly all religious experiences are products of the physical senses. Religious experiences are something felt or heard or seen. Sense experience always leaves one empty when the experience grows old. Seeking experiences is always dangerous for it is trusting in the arm of the flesh rather than trusting in the word of God because experiences are always connected to the senses. Sense experiences are fascinating to a soul-hungry man. They attract the curious. They are always in the realm where most folks live. Most folks, you know, when, when Sue and I were youngsters, people lived in the realm of the soul, but that's not even true anymore. Now they just live in the realm of the flesh. One of the unfortunate things about seeking experiences is that those who are seeking are in the realm that is governed the most by evil spirits, for Satan rules most people's bodies, the home of practically all of our experiences. When people seek experiences for a long time, demons often take advantage of them and become their helpers. I mean, really, what do people want? Well, they want to fall out. They want to shake. They want to quake. They want to feel God. Look, I've been in this since 1960. I'm talking about the full gospel world. And, and I love it. Sunday, we were in the middle of a certain song. I think that was this past Sunday. And, and I, I turned to Sue and I said, here he comes. And then it wanes. But I love it. Remember Friday night of the Holy Week Revival. I mean, we ushered in the presence of God. I mean, ushered him into the room. I love it. But I, I can't live my life by that because we were singing that song Sunday. And, and it's like Jesus described, it's like the wind. He comes and he goes 
You don't know where the wind's coming from. You don't know where the wind's going. So I enjoy the presence of God. I thrive on the presence of God. I love the presence of God. But I, I can't live my life like that. I mean, right? We got to get up tomorrow morning to go to work. And what has he given us that is not something that comes and goes? He's given us his written word. The problem with the written word is, frankly, there's no touchy-feely, ooey-gooey feeling to believing it and confessing it. See, the flesh man is not really that much interested in the written word of God. So, you know, these folks that are seeking experiences, they're not wrestling with God. It's not with the Word of God. They struggle with themselves to get their senses to feel this or to feel that. Sense experiences are always based on sense, knowledge, faith. What I can see, taste, touch, hear, or smell. And this is a real challenge for me. I, you have no idea. This is a real challenge for me because... I'm in the full gospel world. But there's a lot of it I can't truck with. Because we put the word first, not experiences. And the problem with experiences is then they, they, you, cre you end up creating a theology based on your experiences. You know as well as I do that if somebody came in here Sunday morning and they ran 25 laps around the room while we were singing and praising and worshiping God and they got healed, then that's what they would tell people. Run 25 laps at Faith Christian Center and, and you'll get it. You see what I'm saying? The problem, with, the problem with experiences is a theology gets built around them. In one 12-month period years ago, I fasted 40 days three times seeking a particular healing. And the day after the 40th day on the third go-around, the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and he said, Son, I cannot heal you like this because he said you would go out and teach it wrong. God is a God of his word. He's not a God of feelings. Thank God for the feelings. But you know, I'm married to Sue all the time, whether I feel anything in particular or not. See, there's, there's a covenant. Are you hearing me? There's a covenant. I stood there and I spoke some words. There's a covenant. Now, I thank God for the feelings. But it's more than that. And if we were just married based on feelings, well, she probably would have left me 25 times. I might not have ever left her, but she probably would have left me 25 times. I'm saying because, 
you know, I probably hacked her off <laughs> 250 times. I'm just saying there's got, it's something more than feelings. It's not just how we feel. Amen. This thing we have with God is not just how we feel. Right. We're not just walking by how we feel. And the person who's seeking, an ex they're seeking experiences, they're walking by what they can see, taste, touch, hear, and smell. They're not walking by the Word of God. We were in a car dealership once, and I, I don't remember what vehicle it was, but, you know, I sat there at, a, at, a, at the desk with Austin, and I signed my name to a check and, you know, paid for the car, tax, title, and license. And, I, and the, the, the gal gets up to go whatever, take the check wherever. And I told him, I said, you know, we live among Pentecostal people and, and they're chasing experiences. I said, you know, they're chasing feelings. I said, this is enough feeling for me to write a check and own it. See, there's a, there's a productiveness to faith that never comes through emotionalism. There's a productiveness. You get traction. Believing the word of God, taking God at his word, calling those things which be not as though they were, that you'll never get seeking experiences. Now we thank God for the experiences. You know, I'm... You know, like that Friday night of the Holy Week revival, I'm beyond being ready for that every moment of every service at Faith Christian Center. But I can't wait on that. See, I have to operate by the Word of God. I thank God for moments like that. I long for that being in every service, every moment of every service. But in the meantime, we have to teach and preach the Word of God because at the end of the day, this is what you have. This is what you have. You have the Word. We should remember that sense knowledge always fails us in a crisis, and you will notice that the people who are depending on experiences are ever seeking to have the experience repeated. And in this regard, many spiritual experience seekers Remind me of drug addicts. They're always chasing the first high. And that you, it's, it's something that cannot be achieved. It cannot be achieved. They believe in experiences because they live in the realm of the senses. They never believe the word. They assent to it or they hope in it. But they never take God at his word. They assent to it. They give mental assent to it. Experience seekers are always unstable in their faith. For the experienced seeker, the word of God does not carry as much authority as the word of the person who has had the experience. And I'm ashamed that so much of the full gospel world is exactly what I'm describing tonight. I'm ashamed of it, but I'm one man. You know, I can't do anything about it. I'm, I'm one man. It's embarrassing to me but famous, famous, famous people. And they have de-emphasized the Bible. They have de-emphasized the written word of God. And it's all about their prophecies. And why people can't see it is beyond me. 
you know, there's a, there's a network. And, and I never watch, but, you know, Austin tells me about, you know, these weirdo prophetesses and, you know, saying the most ridiculous and crazy things. And why, why can't people see it? I don't know. Sue and I saw through Fauci like that. But how many didn't? I, I took Austin once. I'm sitting with Austin somewhere. I think it was in Florida. Kenneth Hagan meeting. And uh, this famous preacher walks in with his clan. And it wasn't part of his family, but it was an associate of that ministry. And uh, so I think it was during the praise and worship time. We're standing. Anyway, she turns to me and she starts, you know, like she's shooting spiritual darts or something. And Austin turned to me and said, what did you do to her? I said, I haven't done anything to her. I've never met her in my entire life. But they, they can look at me and they can look at Sue and know we're not buying it. We ain't buying it. And it offends them. Because, see, they're peddling. They're just Fauci's. And they're peddling whatever they're peddling and people believe it. It's amazing to me. Remember when Trump was going to be reinstated? <laughs> Ministers of the gospel. Ministers of the gospel. Peddling nonsense. Anybody with an IQ above room temperature knew that that has not ever happened in the history of the United States and it ain't going to happen. And yet, you know, if it was some crazy person on the street, okay, we understand that. But ministers of the gospel. Well, pastor, are you saying you like this guy? Anybody with an IQ over room temperature knows I loathe this guy. But that does not negate the fact that something that's never happened in the history of the United States ain't going to happen. And yet ministers of the gospel. And they're still in business. It just blows my mind. It just blows my mind what people will believe. And what we believe is what we take action on. We, God knows what you believe by what you say and by what you do. Let me run that by again. God knows what you believe by what you say and by what you do. You know, a lot of Christians live their Christian life like that Willie Nelson song. You know, you are always on my mind. I cheated with this and I cheated with that and I did this and I went honky, but you are always on my mind. And they, they live their Christian life like that. They chase this ideology. They chase this false prophecy. You know, they do all this stuff, but you know, Lord, you were always on my mind. Well, that, that doesn't work. You go online, there's no video of it. There's an audio of it. David Wilkerson, The Vision. About two-thirds through that message, he says that before the end, God himself 
would send a great delusion. You read about this in Matthew 24, that before the end, God sends the angels to separate the wheat from the tares. Listen, as we look around and we see all of this madness and insanity, we should be more focused, not less focused. We should be more focused on the word of God and staying faithful and true to the word of God. And we should be less likely, not more likely to believe nonsense. And, and I know, you know, you may be here tonight and not really approve of this type of message, but I want your focus. See, if I can get you to focus on this, then I did a good job. If I can get you to believe this, then I did a good job. Because this is all we have. The Spirit of God, thank, thank God for the Spirit of God. I rely on Him incredibly but you know Jesus said he's like the wind you don't know where he's coming from you don't know where he's going you know he blows in he blows through he blows out uh you know he speaks to me on a regular basis but I can't make an appointment I can't tell him when to talk to me he speaks to me as he wills not as I will but the bible I've got all the time see the bible's there no matter what what God has said is there. And his ears, we know from Jeremiah, his ears are attuned to his own word. So these experience seekers, see, they think they're seeking faith. They have a continual war with doubts and fears and discouragements because their lives are based on experiences, not based on the written word of God. And they will tell you that they're having a hard time. They're having a hard battle with the adversary. They're perpetual seekers who long for experiences and power with God. They're seeking their healing, not knowing that the Father has already laid on Jesus our sicknesses and our diseases and our pains and our sorrows and our suffering. They're honest, but they're walking in the realm of the senses. I say they're honest. I, I, I sometimes wonder, but it's not my business. Their teachers or sense knowledge taught people, either that or they're they're hucksters. I, I'm really having a problem with this. I hope you understand I'm having a problem with this in 2023 because people that I've respected seem like they, man, they have gone off the rails. Our job is not to huckster you into believing a fad. Our job is to point you faithfully to the written word of God because he will never fail. He is his word. His word is him. Jesus prayed in John 17, 17. Father, thy word is truth. Every morning I'm rehearsing it to him. Jesus, Father God, prayed and said, Father, thy word is truth. So, Father God, your word is true. Father God, you are true. Father God, your word is good. Father God, you are good. See, that's where my focus needs to be. These folks believe much about the word, but they don't believe the word itself. They act on the word of man, and it breaks under them. They act on the word of man, and it breaks under them. They read much about the Bible and about experiences, but they don't study the Bible systematically. I'm convinced that if people just did the annual Bible reading, we wouldn't hear half the nonsense we hear. Consequently, they're unstable and double-minded. They're like people who take dope or liquor. They're drunken with the senses. 
if they could only know the sure word, the unbroken word, the living word, the life-giving word, the all-satisfying word, they would give up their quest for experiences and let the word satisfy them. And I think that's part of it. I think they're bored with the Bible. I think they're bored with the Bible. And I, I, I do, I get it. I think that, you know, they're kind of bored with me. You know, when I got all done praying and all of that that I was doing this morning, you know, my hair was every which way and I said, maybe I should just go to church looking like this, then I'd be, then I'd be cool. In other words, uh, what, what outfit is he going to wear? There's a famous minister in, in Austin knows all this. I, I, try and, I try and just keep my nose to the grindstone. But, you know, I mean, it's just amazing, the outfits. What's the point of me dressing like Michael Jackson or, uh, you know, I mean, what's the point? What is the point for a minister of the gospel trying to look like a rapper? Or have you ever wondered, you see these people from Hollywood, have you ever wondered where do they buy their sunglasses? Because I've never seen sunglasses like that. You know, like, or, or remember the, the, the outfits Elvis would use when he would do concerts. Because, you know, you think, where do they buy this stuff? Because I've never seen anything like that for sale. <laughs> but that's the way preachers are dressing. See, in other words, are they dressing... And letting everybody know subliminally that they're entertainers? Is that what it is? I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look at him. Because he is beautiful. And he never fails. Amen. And his word never fails. Amen. And I thank God for every experience I've ever had in the Lord. <laughs> but I'm telling you what. Sister, we had a bunch of experiences and couldn't pay our bills. So there's more to it than experiences. And we're at the end. This is it. I don't know if we have hours, days, weeks, months, or years. But this is it. Because I think we all understand what we read about every day. God will simply not allow to continue on an indefinite basis. Amen. So we're at the end. So rather than getting more weird, the church ought to be getting more focused and sober and diligent. But that's not what we see. See, people who are, who are seeking physical manifestations give the adversary an opportunity to deceive them. And the people who are seeking manifestations are not spiritually minded. They're not word minded. They're physical sense minded. They, they wouldn't know a demon from the Holy Spirit. 
And regarding the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in heavenly tongues, someone might ask, well, didn't the disciples tarry 10 days? See, because when I go down this road on physical experiences, the one thing that is physical that we know of is the, the gift of speaking in other tongues. That's physical. But even that can be abused because people get so focused on the physical. I mean, I'm telling you. I've been in this, I was saved in a full gospel church in 1960, and I'm telling you, and this is really sad, but I'm telling you, the meanest person, the meanest people I've ever met in my entire life spoke in tongues. And I'm all for speaking in tongues, and I'm all for being baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. But I would to God that full gospel people were as focused on the Sermon on the Mount as they were speaking in other tongues. The Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. But see, that the problem with that is that requires being a doer of the word of God. But those early disciples, they waited until the fullness of time came for the spirit to come. They were not, they were not, they were not in that upper room seeking a physical manifestation. They were in that upper room waiting for God's time to send the Holy Spirit to the church to empower the church. That was a moment in time, unrepeatable moment in time. But we don't have to tarry because Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, 13, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the Holy Spirit is here and he will enter the spirit man of any woman or man who, is a who invites him in, a Christian who invites him in. You don't receive eternal life by tarrying and struggling for it. You receive eternal life by acting on the word of God. The same thing is true with regard to the Holy Spirit of God. If you're here tonight and you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit of God, it's the easiest thing in the world because if you're born again, you qualify. You don't have to wait. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to seek an experience. And the problem is, frankly, too, that's a problem because, again, I've been in this since 1960, and I, I was born again in a fabulous church, but in 1970, my dad bought half a Ford dealership in Cincinnati, Ohio, and we moved, and my mom you know, she was in charge. I was just a sophomore in high school. So she picked this little, to me it was country, denominational, full gospel church, and we went over there. And it was, it was, it was very fleshly. I mean, no word. A lot of experiences, but no word. A lot of you have come out of, I look around the room, a lot of you have come out of traditional Pentecostalism and, you know, hoop and holler and, you know, swing from the chandeliers and all of that stuff. And there's no victory. A lot of you, look, a lot of you, a lot of you have come out of Pentecostalism that maybe wasn't hooping and hollering, but some way, somehow, there was never any evidence. There was never any fruit. 
And I'm into the fruit. I'm into the evidence. Waiting before, oh, so this whole thing of, see, those people, that's where I got distracted. Those people in that little country, denominational full gospel church, see, the, the Holy Spirit of God to them was an experience. And to me, <laughs> I could never consider a person an experience. He's a person. He's not an experience. And he's my shepherd. But see, if, if, I, if I treat him as an experience, see, that is a fleshly approach to this third person of the Trinity. People have no idea I think you, even you members here, you have no idea how dependent I am on him as a person and how I have disciplined myself over the years to come to this place. I wasn't always here, but I have disciplined myself over the years to come to this place that I instantly obey him. And when I instantly obey him, I'm always led into a fatter place. I'm always led into a, a more blessed place. So he's not an experience, but isn't that the way they treated him back then all those years ago? You know, brother, have you got the Holy Ghost? You know, like we're talking about a token in the pocket. Waiting before the Lord for power and for some special blessing that you have heard about is unnecessary because you have the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you're born again, you have a measure of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And he loves us all. And he wants us all to have every good thing. All you have to do is invite him in. I'll tell you what, I'm telling you, the, the, some of the most powerful prayers I've prayed in recent days is, I heard Austin say, David Wilkerson said this, I started praying this way and boom, changed. But before that, a week or two before that, I was praying this way. Lord, I want, based on Mark 11, 25 and 26, if there's, if there's any junk in me that needs to be cleaned up, I want to get cleaned up. Any bitterness, any unforgiveness, holding any grudges, because I want my prayers answered. I started praying that way. And then a week or two later, Austin said that he watched a David Wilkerson message toward the end of his life, and he said, I just want to be more like Jesus. So I started praying that. The Holy Spirit of God, I want to be more like Jesus, and boom, change. He's the change agent. Amen. He answers our prayers. Amen. You tell him you don't want any junk from the past, bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, he'll roll it out and it's ugly. And things I, that were like in my rear view mirror and to get it cleaned up because I want my prayers answered. I don't know about you, but Mark 11, 25 and 26 are the only hindrances to prayer Jesus ever mentioned. I sure don't want my prayers hindered. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And then I started praying, Lord, make me more like Jesus. You have to allow him to take over your life. And I know that, I know for people that seems alarming. For me, it's not alarming at all. Because I know one thing. 
<laughs> I know one thing, he won't mess it up. I've made, a, I've made a million mistakes. I know one thing, if I could put him completely and totally in charge of my life, I'd never make one more mistake. If you, if, you, if you bid him take over, he will illuminate, illuminate your heart and mind. He'll guide you into all that belongs to you and the redemptive work of Christ. He'll prove himself to be greater to you than all the forces of darkness round about you. He'll lead you. He is my shepherd. The Holy Spirit of God, he is my shepherd. He leads me into the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He led me to this fat place. The Spirit of God is the power of God and the mind of God and the ability of God, and He's in you. Say it out loud. The Spirit of God, Spirit of God. is the power of God the power and the mind of God and the ability of God, and, of God. and He's in me. He's in me. I'm completely out of time, and you're awful quiet, so I'm not sure how you're taking this message. But let us go to the Word of God. Let us focus on the Word of God. Let us put our faith on the Word of God. And I'm going to, the Lord's speaking to me while I'm speaking to you. Follow me as I follow Christ. I say to you tonight, if I veer off of this book, you abandon me. If I veer to the right or to the left, if I ever come in here and tell you about something that I have no basis for from the Word of God, then you look somewhere else. You follow me as I follow Christ. But don't you go around here following men. You know, so-and-so's in town. I'm going to go hear him. Look, I would just assume, you know, Barnum and Bailey is gone. But I would just assume, I'd just assume go see Barnum and Bailey than to see a lot of these people. Actually, I'd be more edified to go see Barnum and Bailey than I would a lot of these people. He is our soon and coming king. He is the word. He is the word and he is God. And what we have to rely upon in these days is the written word of God. Everything man has touched has turned to sand. Everything man has touched has turned to a lie. I mean, everything they have touched, they have ruined and wrecked. I mean, the desolation is everywhere. But God is true. Amen. And God's word is true. Amen. And you can count on God. Amen. Father, thy word is truth. Amen. Father, your word is true. And you are true. And Father, your word is good. And you are good. And I see all of this mayhem round about. And like Isaiah, we live in a land of liars. But God is true. And God's word is true. Amen. And God is, God's word is good. Amen. And God is good. Amen. And we can count on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but one thing I know is I don't know where we stand on the calendar. No man does. If a man says he does, he's lying. But I know this. I want to stand true to the very last moment or until we hear the trumpet blast. And I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When I was a young man, I would read those words of Jesus. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out devils? And he said to them, away from me, evildoers. 
I never knew you. And when I was a young man, I thought, how in the world could something like that happen? And now that I'm not so young, I'm horrified and I'm afraid because it looks like a lot of folks are going to be in that category. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out devils? But he said, he said, I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. The only hope, the only, tr the only salvation we have is to stand with him on his word and believe God. Because the rest of it, I think we should know now, is a lie. I mean, I could stand here and talk about lie after lie after lie after lie after lie. It's all, it's in the culture. I mean, everything is a lie. It's amazing. Father, thy word is truth. And my job is to point you to the word. Because I might fail, and Sue might fail, and Austin might fail, and the government will fail. And, uh, you know, down in Austin, we know they're going to fail. You know, it's all going to fail. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So we focus on him. We focus on his word. We don't subscribe to any of the insanity. And we keep focused on him. We truck down the road knowing that he is faithful and true. And listen, the, world, the world's full of cults. It's really sad to me. It's amazing to me. The world's full of cults. Don't join a cult. Amen. Amen. And I could stand here and name the cults, but then, you know, we might get the message taken down. But the world's full of cults. It's one cult after the other. All this stuff. Look, this word has stood the test of time. Get the movie. Is it called The Case for Christ? Yeah. Is it Lee Strobel? Set out to disprove the Bible and end up becoming a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. All those archaeological digs. It's amazing. I mean, they've been over there digging around all these years. All these people with PhDs. And they have never found anything to disprove anything in the Bible. They keep discovering stuff, doggone it, that proves the Bible. Amen. You understand? And if, if they found anything that they thought discredited the Bible, it'd be on CNN, MSNBC, it'd be on everything 24-7. But they haven't found a thing. All they keep finding is the Dead Sea Scrolls and ancient copies of the book of Isaiah and all of this stuff. And it all lines up with the book that we have today. Amen. The Word of God. Father, thy word is truth. Amen. 